We are continuing our series this morning called Good Fruit, Bad Fruit. And we're going to do this a little bit differently than normal. I'm, I'm actually, and some of you are going to chuckle on this, um, I'm actually not going to talk that long. And some of you are going, you already have. Um, but I'm really not going to talk very long because I, I had sort of this, this realization of the scripture that it's just not one of those scriptures that you get point one, two, three, four, stir, turn in a circle, jump up and down two times, and you've accomplished it. You know, it's, it's just not that kind of scripture. It's a scripture that you look at and you realize you can't do it. Now, I don't know if, I don't know if anybody relates to me here. Can you think about back when you were a child and maybe there was a real, <laughs> Mickey's like, no, I can't. Um, well, try to think as far back as you can, maybe last week, okay? Um, but think back to maybe there was a riddle or a joke or something when you were a kid, and, and you never quite understood what it meant, but you saw that everybody else, all the adults laughed and got it, so you just kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole time you're going, I don't understand this riddle at all. Well, I, this, you're going to think this is ridiculous, but this is the truth. There was a riddle when, from when I was a kid that I never understood. I just could not, it just, I thought, I don't get it. People think it's cute and funny. It's not cute and funny to me because it doesn't make any sense. Here's the real. You've heard it, I'm sure. What's black and white and red all over? What is it? The newspaper. As a child, I was tormented by that riddle but I was too prideful to ask anybody, what does that mean? I remember, I mean, I'm, I'm not making this up. I remember flipping through the newspaper and going, They're all, all the letters are black. There's no red anywhere. And I remember even the, having the thought process of, well, maybe when it goes to print, it's red first. Or like, I, mean, I, I mean, seriously, I really was trying to figure this out. It was no lie about a year ago. I'm, I'm, I am not kidding you. Um, this is the truth. A year ago that I am in the bathroom, I can remember it because I remember it hit me like a ton of bricks. Red all over, like you read it all, okay. And it just hit me like, I can't believe I'm that stupid. You know, like this took me 30 years to figure out. And I'm serious. It finally landed that it means that you read it all over. I was set free. In that moment, okay? Now, I don't know if we... Why didn't I just ask you? Too prideful to ask my dad, I guess. So I, I don't know if sometimes we do that with... script. That happens with us to us with Scripture, right? Where we'll read it, and we read it and read it and read it, and we can read it 200 times. And then on the 201st time, we go, Whoa, I didn't realize that was there. Or I didn't realize that angle on that Scripture... Or I didn't realize this scripture connected to this scripture. Now, when we read this text for today, well, let me just read it to you. It's Matthew 12, starting with 33. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab one from up here. I'm not going to be upset if you stand up and walk up here and grab it. Um, if you don't have a Bible at all and don't have one that's, that's easy to read, then just take one and take it home with you. That's our gift to you today. Matthew 12, starting at verse 33, and, if, and I'm going to read it to you, so 
Uh, so here we go. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you what men, excuse me, but I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Pretty powerful. Now, when I read that text, you know, it gives you that sort of gut check reaction, right? And coming out of last week's text, it's like, man, you guys just keep hitting us with, you know, double barrel shotgun every week. I mean, what's the deal here? You know, last week, George dealing with the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and how that cannot be forgiven and him sort of unpacking that text. And he explained to you last week the fact that we've chosen to do about 80 to 90% of our teaching expository. And that, that, that just means that we've chosen to take a chunk of the Bible and just preach verse by verse by verse by verse. And what that does is it actually forces you to deal with texts that if you were left up to yourself, you probably would never deal with. Because <laughs> we probably wouldn't go, oh, let's make a series about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That sounds like fun. So we probably wouldn't do that. Um, but because the text demands it, then we are submissive to the text. And that's what we want to be and that's what we want to do. Every now and then we have a topic that we wrestle with and we do that two or three times a year. But George dealt with that last week and, and how ultimately the issue of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is an issue of repentance. It's an issue of not recognizing and repenting of the fact that the Holy Spirit is drawing us to a relationship with Christ. And we reject that and deny that and don't repent of that. And we die ultimately in that rejection of the gospel. And that ultimately is non-forgivable at that point. So now we've moved into make, making a tree good or, or making a tree bad. Now here's my first, re I don't know if you're like me, but my first reaction to this is, okay, got it. I need to make, make a good tree out of my life and I need to make sure that my words are good and solid and positive and yes, and here we go. Here's the problem. Every attempt that I've had in my life to try to make good fruit come from my life or try to make sure that my mouth is in check and that the words that I'm saying are leading people to the gospel, every attempt in my own power to do that has failed. Because at the heart of who I am is a sinful human. The heart of who I am is not a relatively good person. The heart of who I am is a person in darkness and a person that's empty apart from Jesus Christ. And so any effort on my part to try to grow my life into a good and fruitful tree and, a, and having a, a life that my words are gospel-centered and Jesus-centered and spirit-led, what I realize from this text as I shrink back from it is that that is impossible. Impossible. 
And so I'm looking at this and going, what am I supposed to do with that? What am I supposed to do with the fact that on my own, the tree that my life produces is not good? And on my own, the words that I speak are selfish and prideful and and angry and resentful. And any power within myself to change that is futile. So what do I do? Well, as I'm looking at this, and this was the, the newspaper riddle moment for me. As I look at this, I go, make a tree good and it's what? Fruit. I'm going, where else have I heard about fruit in the Bible? So I turn over, and if you want to turn with me, you can. I turn over to Galatians, and I find myself at Galatians 5, 16 through 26. And it says this, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. So see, that, that resonates with me because I think what I want to do in my flesh, in my sinful nature, is actually opposite of what the Spirit of God is leading me to do. So that resonates with me. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. That means, hey, if the Spirit is leading you, you have no worry of law because the Spirit supersedes the rule of law of the, of, of the Bible, of the Old Testament, because the Spirit is the Spirit of Christ who came to complete and finish the law. So you're walking now in His Spirit. That's another series all to itself, I guess. But in 19, we begin to see the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. So I'm, I'm, my brain is starting to put two and two together. My brain is starting to go, okay, a good tree produces good fruit. A, a bad tree produces bad fruit. So the acts of the sinful nature would be the bad fruit that comes from a what? Bad tree, right? And he gives us an example of some. They are obvious, he says. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's a hard and pointed text, but the idea here is that if the tree of your life is planted with bad seed, and what's bad seed? Bad seed is our sinful nature, that's the, that's the bad soil and the bad seed of, of who we are, who I am. When our life is rooted in ourself, then what grows from that is the bad fruit of a bad tree that ultimately will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit 
of the Spirit is. So we see, okay, good fruit, bad fruit. Well, we just covered, okay, this is bad fruit. Now he's going to tell you, but this, this is the good stuff. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That means do those all you want to. There is no cap. There is no limit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So it's telling us if you belong to Christ, then you are actively wanting to chop down the bad tree so that the good tree can bear good fruit in your life. Now, here's what I want you to do. This is kind of childish. don't really care. I want you to do it. it, it just humor me here. I want to say each of these fruits, and I want you to say it after me. Just call it out right after I say it. Can you help me with that? Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those represent the good fruit that's in our lives. Young man came up to me after the first service and, and had a really great just word to share. And he said, you know, when you think about it, it doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. It says fruit of the Spirit. And so just like this list of bad fruits, or it's not a complete list. It's just, it's just Paul saying, hey, this is an example of what bad fruit is. This is not meant to be a list that we sort of go, well, I got a couple of those, but I don't have those. And I'll take that one, but I won't take that one. It's really one fruit, and they're all connected to one another. Because if you're going to have one, you've got to have the other one, right? Now, don't get confused. Don't confuse these with spiritual gifts. Because spiritual gifts, which is another conversation for another day, but spiritual gifts, you may have two of them, but not all of them. In the fruits of the Spirit, we are supposed to have all of these things presently growing in our lives. So all that's good and wonderful. And we go, okay. So we, we understand that good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. We've even defined now what the fruit is. We're still left with the same problem. I can't grow any good fruit. You can't grow any good fruit. So knowing that a good fruit, the good tree produces good fruit and that what good fruit looks like, all that's great. But if you can't grow it, what good is the knowledge? And so I'm remembering to go back to the text here at verse 22, and it says, but the fruit of the walt is love, joy, peace. Is that? No. But the fruit of the Spirit so it's giving me another clue 
as to where the good fruit comes from. It comes from the Holy Spirit. So then I go, well, what do I know about the Holy Spirit? And I turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, and I read verse 15 through 18. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Well, we've seen that Spirit word in our last text that says the Spirit is where the good fruit comes from. And we know that the good fruit comes from the good tree, so the good tree must be the Holy Spirit. Not me. I'm not the, I'm not the good tree. The Holy Spirit is the good tree. And here's what happens. Here's what we have to understand. When we say, yes, I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going to give my life to Christ, God plants like a tree plants the Holy Spirit in our lives. He comes and takes residence and indwells our lives. One time, one moment, it happens. But that text we just read, if you look up the verb tense in the original language, actually says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled continually, over and over, and many, 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 many times, filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does that say to me? Well, that says to me that the Spirit is planted in my life like a tree, but the growing of that tree can last a lifetime as it fills my life with good fruit. Some fruits in my life are growing faster than other ones. Some are growing faster in your life than other ones. But the main thing is that we have to be actively allowing the growth process to happen. Now, how does that work? Well, it's like this. Now, here at the beach, we don't have these as much, but back home uh, where we're from, we had a lot of folks had gas logs, okay? So you know with, with gas logs, you have uh, a pilot light that has to be lit, right? And how many times have you walked up to gas logs and the pilot light's lit and you go, oh, that feels good. That pilot light is really warming this room up, right? Well, that would be absurd because the pilot light doesn't provide the full presence of the warmth that you want and need and desire in your, in your living room, right? What you have to do is you have to turn the knob and access the gas to hit the pilot light and ultimately release the flame so that your room and your house can be warm. And then you experience the presence of the warmth from the gas logs. Well, our relationship to the Holy Spirit is the same. When we give our lives to Christ, He lights the pilot light of the Spirit in our lives. But the problem becomes that you and I, a lot of times, just leave the pilot light going. 
it just kind of lies dormant in us. And we go, well, I've got the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of me. Don't you feel the heat? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> right? Well, when it says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's actually saying, turn on the gas. Right? Turn on the gas. Let your life be accessible to the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says if we ask, He will give to us. When we say, come Holy Spirit and fill me, He wants to do that. He desires to do that. So here's where I leave you today, and here's what we're going to do. The band is going to come, and we're going to uh, lead some more, some more music, a little bit more. And before we jump into communion, which we, which we do every week, before we do that, I just want to take a pause in our worship time, and I'm going to invite the ministry team to come forward. And, and here's what, what I would love to happen. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come, okay? It's the, one of the oldest, most ancient prayers of the church is come Holy Spirit. And so we're going to ask him to come. But here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to think through the fruit of the Spirit. And you may say, man, you know, I, I really, I feel like this one is really evident in my life. But I feel like this one just isn't. You know, I feel like I do well with self-control. But man, I am just not patient. I just struggle with that. And I want you, because here's the thing, we're not asking for the Holy Spirit to give you the fruit of the Spirit, okay? It's already in there. It's already there. What we're asking is for the Holy Spirit to fill you with it. It's already there. And I think a lot of times we think of filling as it has to be something external. But if something's in here and it begins to expand, what's it doing? It's filling you, right? So he's inside, and we're going to ask him to fill us. And there may be just one of those, uh, those fruits that you want to focus in on right now. And you want to just say with your life, Holy Spirit, fill me with goodness. I've had so much junk in my mind. Fill me with your goodness.